When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. After years of experimenting with leaves, botanicals, and other natural materials in aquariums, and with a growing global community of hobbyists doing the same lately, the mental roadblocks to this approach are starting to fall. We're seeing all sorts of tanks being created by all sorts of hobbyists, which in years past would garner far more hushed whispers and criticisms than any, you know, gasps of envy. Nothing we're doing here is really that crazy, Uh, you know, not a crazy departure from more conventional approaches in terms of husbandry, care and observation of our fishes. And again, it boils down to observing many basic tenets of aquarium keeping. We operate with techniques that probably foster tanks with more organic compounds in them than most because we play with decomposing leaves, botanicals, and soils. Stuff breaks down. It must be acted on by bacteria, other microorganisms, and fungi in order for this process to occur. Now, the moniker organics that we in the hobby have used as a metaphoric red flag to discourage throwing this stuff into the tank in years past is still important to understand. Sure, organics can accumulate and even be problematic if you don't have necessary control and export processes in place to deal with them. So what would these processes be? Here's the part that's going to blow your mind. (laughs) Not. Well, to start with, you need decent water movement and filtration to physically remove any debris. Use some chemical filter media, such as organic scavenger resins, which tend not to remove the tint color that everybody loves, but do act upon specific compounds like nitrate, phosphate, etc. Or you can use carbon. Yes, carbon in small quantities, it's your call. And of course, water exchanges. Yeah, the centuries-old tried-and-true processes of exchanging water is probably the single most important aspect of nutrient control and export for any system, traditional, botanical, whatever. There's no substitute for diluting organic impurities through regularly scheduled water changes, in my opinion. And this isn't some sort of revelation, I get ya. Botanical-style aquariums run best on common sense, patience, and tried-and-true aquarium husbandry techniques. I'll say it again. In my experience, there's nothing inherently more challenging or more dangerous about these types of tanks than there are with any other specialty system. The fact that the water is brown doesn't mean that a well-managed tank is any closer to disaster than any well-managed clear water system. There's no magic here. We simply need to do the work necessary to keep our aquariums operating in a healthy state. Nope, nothing new here. In my opinion, no aquarium of any type is set and forget. Do that and you'll be in for a rude awakening with a natural botanical method aquarium or any tank for that matter. You can really take that approach, you know, you, you can't take that approach in the hobby. You have to participate. That being said, I commend many of you for forging ahead with new ideas. And this approach, you know, that might not be familiar to you. Moving from the theoretical to the functional takes some courage, some imagination, and most of all, impulse. 
When it comes to trying out exotic new concept aquariums, guys like me, as you all know by now, just need to get the damn thing started and stop musing on about it. Others spend very little time contemplating and go full speed ahead. You know, damn the torpedoes. Regardless of your style of aquarium work, self-awareness is important. I think it's in my nature to get a bit deep into the planning. The challenge for me is not getting so bogged down in an endless cycle of analysis paralysis that I never get projects off the drawing board. Don't get into this rut, okay? Understand what's involved, what's required of you as a hobbyist, and more forward, you know, and, and move move forward. Just remember one thing when you play with botanicals. It's not a plug-and-play proposition. It requires some effort, some thought, and observation, not to mention patience. By observing and assessing on a continuous basis, you'll get a real feel for how botanicals work in your aquarium. And what's the real finesse part of the equation? It's the nuance, the subtle yet noticeable adjustments and the corrections that we make to keep things moving along nominally. Sort of like pruning in a planted tank or weeding a garden. It's a process. Yes, a process. In fact, the entire experience of botanical method aquariums boils down to a process and a pace that helps foster the gradual yet inexorable evolution of the aquarium. And let there be no doubt, a botanical method aquarium does evolve over time, regularly and steadily changing and progressing. As I've mentioned a million times before, it might actually be the perfect expression of the Japanese concept of wabi-sabi popularized by Takashi Amano, which is the acceptance of transience and imperfection. A mindset, a point of view, a philosophy for sure. And the patience to allow your system to evolve. It's absolutely the most essential skill to have if you're going to work with botanical method aquariums. Period. End of story. There's no shortcuts, major hacks, or ways to dramatically speed up nature. And why would you want to? Adopt a long game sort of mindset. Know that the good stuff often takes time to happen. I'm personally not afraid to wait for results. Well, to not just sit around in a literal sense, mind you. However... I'm not expecting instant results from stuff. Rather, I'm okay with doing the necessary groundwork, nurturing the product along, the project along, and then you know seeing the results happen over time. It's a long game. That's what we play here. And understanding that what we do in the botanical method aquarium world requires those mental shifts and skills above almost everything else is super important. I mean, look at what we do. We add leaves and seed pots to our aquariums for the express purpose of having them break down and decompose. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. We all know that aquariums with high quantities of, you know, organic materials breaking down in the water column add to the bioload of the tank, requiring, you know, diligent management. That's not shocking news. Frankly, I find it rather amusing when someone tells me that what we do as a community is reckless and our tanks look dirty, as if we don't see that or understand why they might think this. They just haven't made those mental shifts yet. I hope they do because I think they're missing out kind of on all the fun, really. And, you know, it, it's also, it's not just the philosophy that we have in mind for ourselves. It's what it does for the fishes. I've talked a lot about how utilizing botanicals, and it's more than just aesthetics, Uh, that the botanicals actually serve an important function in a healthy, thriving aquarium. And I want to talk about the concept, uh, expand a little bit more on that concept of why we use leaves. Well, and, and seed pods and all that stuff. Well, to sum it up in one word, it's enrichment. This is a concept that's used almost obsessively 
and the public aquarium and zoo community, but it rarely trickles into the hobby side of things. It has a lot of different meanings in a lot of different contexts, but the best way to define it as it applies to us would be the addition of certain elements to the animal's habitat to stimulate, challenge, or otherwise induce behavior in that animal. It's quite common for zoos to incorporate food into puzzles for the animals in their care, and most dog owners can relate to stuffing, you know, peanut butter or dog treats inside of a toy to keep their dog busy. But how often do we think about stimulating the fishes in our aquariums? Unless you've worked in the public aquarium sector or kept really intelligent aquatic life like stingrays or octopus, the answer is probably never. But you may be offering your fishes enrichment without even realizing when you play with botanicals. Now in the wild, fish inhabit a remarkably complex habitat. In the Rio Negro, for example, the flooded forest extends for thousands of kilometers with basically an entire forest worth of root masses, branches, and leaf litter all in play as its habitat. Fruits and nuts fall in the water regularly, providing both food and shelter. The water temperature, the pH, the clarity, and the color changes dramatically as rainwater from the highlands fills the many tributaries, pushing sediment-rich, cool, and clear white water into the normally blackwater river. This is an always changing, very dynamic environment, one which fishes have evolved to thrive in and take full advantage of. One of the things that's most striking when you spend time looking at these habitats, looking below the surface, is that the fishes aren't just passive inhabitants. They're actively involved with their habitat, interacting in a very particular way. Epistogramma species, for example, they're not just hanging out. They're fighting turf wars among piles of leaf litter, even making their own piles by moving leaves or other bits of detritus to the center of their territories. Suckermouth catfish, whether they're Farloella or Ancestris, are actively exploring recently submerged branches and roots, looking for a patch of biofilm or algae to feed, to feed upon. Um, earth eaters and other species of cichlids, even Severums, angelfish, and discus, are sort of patrolling the bottom, taking big mouthfuls of sand and organic material to sift out any potential food items. It's a big organic mess, literally made up of various botanicals, and the fish are having a field day in it. These are things you never get to see in a typical aquarium because, quite frankly, the tank is boring, at least from the fish's perspective. And to bring this back to the concept of enrichment, many fishes are used to having a certain level of stuff to interact with in their environment. In a kind of bare-bones tank or even a carefully manicured aquascape, they'll do just fine. They'll thrive even. However, if you offer them an assortment of stuff in your aquarium that they can interact with, I think most fish keepers would be pretty astonished at the behavior that this brings out. Like seeing a juvenile guanacara picking up magnolia leaves one by one from the bottom of the tank only to arrange them in a neat pile around his favorite hiding spot. Or watching your smallest checkerboard cichlid peering out from one of the, in, you know, the inside of a, a Carinana pod while a pleco grazes on the biofilm growing on the outside of the same pod. The, the list goes on and on, but the point is that the whole repertoire of botanicals that we have available allows us as a chorist to make efforts to remarkably and markedly enrich our fish's lives by giving them an outlet for naturally occurring behaviors, be it grazing, exploring, territory building, social interaction, or even spawning, stuff that they've evolved to make use of in their natural habitat. So, Again, it's not just enrichment for the fishes. It's also pretty enriching for you. Kind of a backwards twist on it, wouldn't you say? And I think the point of this whole little discussion today 
is that the botanical method aquarium is so much more than a display. It's something that we can work with, understand, learn from, evolve with right along with the tank. And the best part about it is that everything that we do, every interaction we have with our tank and every observation we make adds to this growing body of knowledge of a kind of new but not so new area of aquarium keeping. Isn't that pretty cool? Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tenant Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.